So two weeks ago when we last had a, a training, we started talking about church leadership. And we were just kind of just pondering um, how we have an enemy and he's real. I think sometimes we forget that and we don't, we don't, we don't think that there is a spiritual unseen realm and there is a very real enemy and Satan hates us and wants to destroy us. And according to 1 Peter 5, he is a lion who seeks to devour and to destroy. And we talked about this, and I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that he is working overtime to keep churches uninspired and untaught and ineffective. But we've also seen and we also know from the Word and in our experience that God is just as real and God is a creator and it's not a yin and yang and as though Satan and God are equal opposites. God is a creator. He is the sovereign. He is all-powerful. We have seen how the story ends, which is with, with the Satan, Satan, the serpent, the dragon defeated and us enjoying the presence of God forever and so completely renewed, and so we know where we're headed, we know how the story ends, and it gives us hope for today, and this gives us boldness, and it encourages us to keep running the race, and keep battling against the enemy, because we're, we are battling from a position of strength, not of, of weakness. And, and for churches to be able to really be useful for the kingdom and to advance and to take back ground from the enemy, they have to be well taught and well led. And so for a renewed church to be a healthy church, for us to be able to reach people, to be led by the Spirit and, and to be exploding with joy as a worshiping and missional community, then we have to head in the same direction. And the reality is all of us are different personalities and preferences and church backgrounds. And even if, oh, we're all, we're all from First Baptist, well, no, not necessarily. We're not all from First Baptist. And, and not everyone has the same ideas of what a church ought to be. So in order for us to have this unity, we have to head in the exact same direction. And so leadership becomes so important. And we talked about elders, pastors, a couple of weeks ago, and so today we're going to be talking about the next part of leadership, which is deacons. And so if you have your Bibles, look in Acts chapter 6. We're going to be looking at a text that basically has the prototype of both elders, pastors, and also deacons. So Acts chapter 6, if you don't remember the context, this is early on in Jerusalem where the church has been exploding with growth. And now the church experiences some growing pains. Acts 6, 1 through 7. Now, when these days, when disciples were increasing in number, so keep that in mind, this is a context. The disciples were increasing in number. A complaint by the Hellenists. Now, what was a Hellenist? Greek speaking Jews. Okay? So these were people that were. Greek speaking. So after Alexander the Great's conquest, he spread the Greek language all around the known world. And so you had Hellenists. So these were Greeks. So there was complaints by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. So Hebrew speaking. So Aramaic speaking. Because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So when, when you see widow, think poor, destitute. All right? 
the hopeless. There was no Social Security or Medicaid or Medicare or, or WIC cards or Section 8 housing or wealth. There was none of that. It didn't exist, okay? So when you, have, when you read Greek-speaking widow, think poor and without help, they have no chance of survival. So there's a complaint between Hellenists against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected by the, the daily distribution. And the twelve, so who is the twelve? The twelve disciples, the apostles, so the church leaders. And the twelve summons the full number of the disciples and said, so they call the whole church together. They said, all right, time for members meeting. We, we need to have a family meeting. We need to talk. There's some conflict going on in our fellowship. They're not ignoring the conflict. So the, the church leaders, the twelve, call, it says, all the disciples, y'all get together. And, and the, the full number of the disciples, and they said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. And what they said please a whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnamus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they sent before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied. You hear that? So verse 1, it was increasing. Now in verse 7, it's multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So God was at work. What you're seeing from Acts 1 through 5 is the church is just exploding with growth, and I would get to chapter 6, and they have some conflict. It's not surprising that a growing church is also going to have some conflict, things that have to work out, things that whenever it was small, it was no big deal. But then as it starts to get larger, they're like, whoa, like, we need to talk through this to figure out what we're doing and, and make adjustments. This is just normal. That's what you're seeing here in chapter 6, conflict between the Aramaic-speaking and the Greek-speaking Jews. Now, what you see in this text, I mentioned like prototypes, there's two types of leaders. Now, neither is mentioned. It, it doesn't mention elders nor deacons. But what you have here is a role that was passed off. So the, the 12, these, these apostles, the disciples, their leadership role was passed on to elders and pastors. And these seven men called, they're not called deacons, but they're definitely servants, and the word deacon is used in this text, we'll see that in a second, that is passed on to deacons. And so you, you're seeing the two types of church leaders, deacons and elders. So verse 2 describes, it says, it is not right that we, who is the we, this is the apostles, that we should give up doing what? Preaching. We should not stop teaching and preaching in order to meet the practical needs, to serve tables. And then verse 4 says that they were going to do two things. That says, devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. So this is the overall description of what the apostles and the future elders would be doing. And so we talked about this last time, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. But elders, so elders are shepherd 
leaders, the word pastor and the word shepherd is the same word. And so shepherd leaders who meet the spiritual needs of the church. And so we talked about two weeks ago is that as, as the lead pastor, my role is for vision and preaching. And one day we're going to have an elder body. So we're going to have men of God that are called by God to teach the word of God and lead the people of God to treasure him. So this is what elders do. Called by God, they use the word of God, they lead, and they, they set the example and lead the people of God. So verse 3 says, Then brothers, so therefore, pick out seven men who are wise and full of the Spirit, and let them meet the practical needs. And so it says the daily distribution. That's what it says in, well, that's verse 1. It says, that the, the Hellenists were not receiving the daily distribution. Now, and then it says serving tables in verse 2. Now, there's a distinction here that we have to understand because a lot of times we, we confuse pastors or elders and deacons and we cannot confuse these two roles. When you see the word their distribution, that word distribution in the original is diakonia. Now, what does that sound very similar to? Deacon. So our English word deacon is nothing more than a transliteration of the Greek word diakonia. So that's what a, so a diakonia, he is a, a deacon. And what that word means is ministry or service. And so a deacon is someone who does ministry, someone who meets needs, someone who is a servant. And so the word deacon means Servant. That's what the word means, which is why here they're described as meeting needs and serving tables, which is why a lot of times we use the word minister for those that are pastors, which is fine. Ministering means to serve and to meet needs, but a, someone that is an elder does that in the spiritual capacity, and deacons do it with meeting practical needs. <laughs> Needs Philippians 1 1. Paul writes a letter to church in Philippi and he says to all the saints, all the believers in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, he says, with the overseers. What's an overseer? Do you remember from last time? A pastor, an elder, saint. Remember that overseer, shepherd, pastor, and elder. All three are interchangeable and referred to pastors. So he says, he's writing to the church, he says, to the pastors and deacons. And so he's describing the two leadership roles, pastors, elders, deacons, and then to the church members. So well, what is a deacon? A deacon is a servant leader who meets the practical needs of the church. So an elder, a pastor, meets the spiritual needs, and deacons meet the practical needs of the church. So really, what is a deacon? A deacon is a servant leader. A deacon is not an elder. Now, you didn't have to show your hands, but I'm sure some of you have been in churches where deacons run the church. From your head nods, I can see that you agree. You've seen this church model where there's a deacon board or deacon body, and these deacons are the decision makers. A lot of times they're even sometimes called even trustees, and they actually have a governing leadership, even like a legal leadership role. 
But that is not in the Bible. We have to be very clear. So I'm not trying to disrespect very traditional Baptist church government, but I am not interested in that. I'm interested in what this says. And the Bible does not describe deacons in any capacity as having a governing, authoritative leadership role. They are servants. That's what the word means. They're servant leaders. And so you see this distinction between elders and deacons. So God has provided deacons for leading in the administrative, logistical, and practical ministry in the church. So let me give you a very real example from myself in the last year and a half. Up until January, I was, I was labeled as the minister for missions at First Baptist Belton. Okay? What did I actually do? Now, I know I preached, I think, three times in like 18 months. So, but let's take that out. And I taught one disciple life class for eight weeks, which was not part of my job description either. So let's just take, let's take the three preaching and the one class off. And what did I actually do as a missions minister? I booked airfare. I recruited people to join mission trips. I made pamphlets. <laughs> I oversaw the budget. I led the missions committee. Does that sound like a pastor to you? Does that sound like prayer and the word to you? No. No. That was not a pastoral role. That was an administrative role. Really? That was a deacon role. I was essentially a deacon for a year and a half. I was doing deacon work. I was, I was doing the role of an administrator I was doing the role of seeing over budgets and that kind of thing, which is, now, is that important for a church? The answer is yes, absolutely. Did I do God's work for the last year and a half? Yes, absolutely. Yes, that is definitely part of God's work as part of a church. But is that distinctly pastoral shepherding work? No. Even what I've been doing up to this point with Renewal Church, with figuring out the budget and ordering the things for the trailers and organizing and talking about church management software, is that pastoral work? No, it's not. That is work that is in the realm of deacon, of servant leadership, of administration, of logistics, and meeting the practical needs in a church. And so we have to be very careful with with mixing and with confusing and getting the waters really muddy. Like we need crystal clear understanding of what is the difference between a, a pastor who meets the spiritual needs, who is devoted according to the Bible here to word and to prayer versus the deacons that are equally full of the spirit and called to serve, but meeting the practical needs in a church. Is this confusing, or, or is this just so new, or does this make sense? I see. I see. I hear one. Yes. Yes. It's, I, I'm assuming not confusing. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking through this more. So what happens to a church when practical needs are being met? So you could ask that a different way, too. You could ask, so what happens to a church when she has really great servant leaders. 
great, if you will, deacons. Well, according to this text, what you see first is you see spiritual growth. You see spiritual growth because think about it. If the pastors that are supposed to be committed to the word and to prayer and, and to things like counseling and discipleship and, and all the things with, with teaching and preaching and vision, and if they can't because their time and mental energy is all occupied with administration and logistics, then what you're going to get on Sundays is a half-baked, thrown-together, Saturday night special that was probably hijacked from a preaching website that exists all over our world and permeates far too many pulpits because pastors don't have time to dedicate to word and to prayer. Why? Because they're doing deacon work. They're doing the admin, the logistics, the practical, and that's not their role. So I was talking to a brother this week who's very encouraging in this area, and he said, Matthew, on Sundays, I want a 100% sermon, not a 70% or a 60% sermon from you. Well, I was like, I agree. Like, I don't want to give you 60% either. He was like, well, then you need time, and so let me do some of the other things for you. I'm like, okay, great. It's all yours. So that, that is the attitude that we need to have, not just for me, but for future elders and future even associate pastors. It lets the church be encouraged, and it gives me, honestly, time so that when you call and say, hey, can we meet? I say, when are you available? I'm free Tuesday, or I'm free on Thursday morning, or whatever. But if I'm just busy with activity, programs, administrating then when you call and say, hey, pastor, can we meet? And I'm like, man, I'm really busy. I got a lot going on. And this, this becomes a language of pastors, and it makes us feel so important. Oh, I'm so busy. And you're like, oh, I don't want to bother him. He's your shepherd. What do you mean you don't want to bother him? This is his role. He's supposed to be there to shepherd you. And if he's too busy to shepherd you, then he's just too busy. And the question is, what is he doing with his time? In most cases, deacon work. In most cases, he's doing the admin, the logistics, the practical ministry that is not the role. And so spiritual growth is a result whenever, whenever you have deacons and elders doing their calling. The other result is unity. Remember, there was division. Remember that? This whole thing in Acts 6 started with conflict. Is that new to a church? Conflict? No, we're human. It's inevitable. Conflict is sadly normal to us. But when, when there was conflict, what did they do? What did the leadership do? They said, here's what we're going to do. And they said, let's clarify the roles between the two types of leaders in a church. And the result was a serving church. No longer a church that was just dependent upon the leaders to do everything, but it was uh, everyone's involved. It was now a ministry buy-in. It was ownership. Everyone said, okay, I'm going to do like my part now in leading this. And you had men that were mobilizing in ministry. So that's what deacons do. They don't just themselves serve, but they lead others in serving. They mobilize the church to serve the church and then to serve the world. And so what unifies us is our purpose. So we're unified by purpose. And when you have church leaders that know their role and members that know the expectations, 
then what you have is a healthy church, a unified church. It creates unity. Next, and what also creates multiplication. We see in the text, the church multiplied. You know, you realize that the first five chapters of Acts, if you read it, you will see where it says that the church increased. It says in chapter 2 that daily they were being added to their number. So you are seeing growth. But you know the first time that the word multiply is used in Acts? I'll give you one guess. Chapter 6, verse 7. Once you had proper leadership, where the elders doing their role, deacons doing their role, the church engaged to serve the church and serve the world, then you had no longer was it addition. Now it was multiplication. This is what you see in verse 7. And it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And so let's talk for a few minutes about fulfilling this spirit of deacons in renewal church. Because maybe you're thinking, well, well, Matthew, we don't have deacons. Like, we don't, we don't have deacons at renewal church. And so what does that look like? Well, at this phase of our church development, which is still embryonic, okay, pre-even birth, pre-launch on Easter, and even after launch, it takes time to get solidified, just like we don't yet have other elders, but we will. We know where we're headed. We don't yet have formal deacons. But here's what we do have currently, right now, in this room. We have ministry directors. And our our ministry directors that we have are fulfilling the spirit of deacons by leading the various ministries and meeting all the practical needs of our church. And so I'll give you just a few very practical examples. Hospitality. Oh, he's not here today. Haley's here. But Chance is leading a hospitality. What does he do? He distributes cards. He distributes forms on Sunday morning so that we can can get information from our guests, that we can call them back and follow up with them. He helps get um, the coffee set up. And all of this is very practical, isn't it? But is it important? Oh my goodness, it's huge. Like to greet guests and have them feel welcome, that is so practical, but it is ministry. Absolutely. It can disarm that person who came in hesitant or nervous or unsure and they meet Haley. Oh man, they're like comfortable now. They're like, oh, this is great. And they get a coffee. That's so practical, but it makes a potential eternal difference in that person's life. So another one is right over here, Parker. He oversees our trailers. Is that not practical? I mean, how much more practical a mobile church on wheels that everything that we own is in two trailers? And he's gone to get our, our plates and our insurance with the trailers. And oh my gosh, he's done more than you realize behind the scenes. And organizing a team to bring the trailers and practical. But that is the work of a deacon, is leading in practical ministry, setup. Joseph overseeing the setup team, and we all of them setup team, but that is so practical, but is so critical to our church. And so this is not a elders are superior to deacons. Like, <laughs> that's crazy talk. Like, there's complete equality here. It's not better or worse or superior or inferior. This is just complete equality, just different roles, like husband and wife in the home. Which one is superior? 
um, both men in God's image, complete equality, different roles, different functions, but equality. Same thing in a church. With elders and deacons, they're equal. One has a governing, leading, teaching function. The other one is a serving, meeting needs that are practical function. But you need, you need both equally. And so our church couldn't function if we didn't have both. Now, there is one more issue that I have to address, and our time is brief, but I think I can cover it quickly, is that of women as deacons. Now, I know some of us from a background that is Southern Baptist, where in most cases, I know not a First Baptist, but in a lot of churches it is, where deacons have essentially the role of elders. Now, they're called deacons, but if you look at their actual function, like what they do and decision-making, that kind of thing, they're serving as elders. Does that make sense? So I'm not talking about their title. I'm talking about their actual function in that church. In that situation, I, I would say it would be unbiblical for that church to call deacons that are women. Because what you're doing is, I don't care what you call I'm looking at function. The function in that particular church is those are essentially elders. They're the father figures that are leading and teaching the church, decision makers. That is reserved for men. We looked at that last week because, because the elders of a church are the father figures that are called to lead, to teach, to guide. Just like in the home, in your family, same thing in the faith family. There are still the same father figures. And so if you're going to have deacons that are essentially teaching authoritative governing body, then you should not have women on that particular leading body. But if you have clarity and you're saying, no, 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 deacons biblically don't have any governing teaching authority. They are servant leaders who meet the practical needs in the church. Then that makes sense as to why Phoebe and Romans 16.1 is a deacon. And by the way, Phoebe is a female. And so why, why, why would Paul affirm a female deacon? Well, because deacons aren't authoritatively teaching. 1 Timothy 2.12 describes how, well, Paul says that women are not allowed to have two things, so to teach authoritatively over men in the church context. So Paul affirms Phoebe because she doesn't have that authoritative teaching role. Now you're thinking, yeah, but I've read in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, where it says that deacons must be husbands of one wife. Okay, so let's take a second and let's look at that paragraph just briefly. So 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, is qualifications for deacons. Now, the previous paragraph, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, you'll notice, is qualifications for elders or pastors, okay? So, the first paragraph, it says, here's what it looks like to be a pastor. Next paragraph, verse 8 through 13, he describes what it looks like for deacons. And in the middle, he actually says, the women like one must be serious, not slanderers, but temperate, faithful in all things. You're saying, well, my translation says the wives. Well, this is where translation can be hard at times, but the actual word in, in the original, so the Greek, for wife and for woman is, guess what? The same word. Just like in Spanish. If I say, mi mujer, 
What does what does mujer mean in Spanish? It means woman. But if I say mi mujer, it means what? My woman, like my wife. So the word mujer actually can mean wife or woman. Same word. And context dictates which it is. Does it mean just a woman or does it mean a wife? Same word. Same thing in Greek. It's the same word for woman as it is for wife. So the context must dictate. So does this mean woman or wife? And a lot of translators interpret and they put wife in that verse. But it could just as easily be woman. And I believe that is a correct translation, and here's why. In the first paragraph, we're talking about elders. You'll notice he never talks to the elders' wives. So Paul does not say, elders' wives must be blank, 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 blank. He doesn't. He talks just to the elders themselves and says, here's your qualifications. Okay? Next paragraph, he's talking to deacons. And then he has half of it directed to what deacons' wives must be? That doesn't make sense. Like, why would he have higher standards for deacons than he does for elders' wives? You following me? It just doesn't make sense. It's the same qualifications, but an elder has actually more because he has to teach and have authority where deacons don't. So, which is why I think that when you, when you see in that verse where it says wives, I truly believe that what's more accurate is women. And I believe he's talking to women that have every right to also be deacons as long as we're being very clear that a deacon is not an elder. A deacon is a servant. A deacon is not someone in an authoritative position. So he does talk to men that are deacons, and he says, he wants a husband and one wife. So yes, if you're going to be a male and be a deacon, then yes, you must be sexually pure and faithful and have one wife. But does that necessarily preclude women from being deacons? I don't believe so. I, I don't believe that the Bible prevents women from being servant leaders. And so do, do I believe that... that Holly is wrong in helping to do setup. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> she has a willing heart and she wants to do it. She's meeting in practical ministry. I don't believe that Katie is in sin with leading us to sing. I believe God has given her a gift and she's under pastoral authority. And so I, maybe you say, well, that's awfully moderate, Pastor Matthew's like, well, I'm trying to honestly read the Bible with fresh eyes and not say, well, Baptist history, Baptist tradition says women can't be deacons. I'm like, well, why? Why not? It's a service role. It's not an authoritative teaching governing role. So now I know that this, this can be something in you or maybe you feel unsettled about this conversation so we'll be talking about this more. I, I understand. And if, and if you want to talk in private, we're, I'm happy to do that. Um, but are there any questions here that, that, I mean, I got a couple of minutes. And so does anyone have something that you just like? So clarify this for me, Pastor Matthew. Is, is there anything like that that y'all want to ask or comment? Yes, oh, Megan. I think it's in verse, uh, verse 8 of, the, of Acts 6 mm-hmm. where it says what Stephen was like. Yes. Full of faith and power and miracles. 
full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom. Um, so that's that's even in the practical needs matter. So there is no difference in what we are capable of exuding forth because we can be filled with the Spirit in any of those capacities. So Amen. if you're talking about hierarchy, which obviously there's an authoritative mm-hmm. difference here, but even the deacon himself was full of every bit of power that Amen. There's no second rate. This this is not a secondary role. This is foundational and critical and full of the Spirit. And the Spirit called to these, in this case it was men. But as, as we see later, again, Paul refers to females as deacons. Um, so I know that there's a lot of new things that you've had to digest over the last few months on being part of a church that does a little bit differently. But what I don't want is anyone to be unsettled about these kinds of things. And so if, if you just need to talk through this more or have more questions or just want to pray through that, then just let me know because I want you to be at peace and know that we're following the Word and what we do and how we do it. Um, any other comments or questions? We're good? Like, let me read to you a couple of verses as we close. In Luke 22, this right here is, is the calling to, to servant leadership which applies to pastors, it applies to members, it applies to everyone. But in this context, talking about servant leaders in the church, again, the spirit of, of, of a deacon, of these ministry directors, Luke 22, verse 24 through 27. In a dispute, again, it's amazing, disputes, arguments, right? So a dispute also arose among them as to which of them to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is a greater, one who reclines at the table, or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I among you as the one who serves? This is the heart of servant leadership at Renewal Church, is following the servant ministry, the the servant leadership, the servant example of Jesus. This is what we're about. And I'm thankful. I mean, I'm not just saying this. I truly am thankful for men and women who use their gifts and serve, and serve like Jesus, humbly, behind the scenes, with no need for recognition. They just love Jesus. I want to serve Him and serve like Him. And, and I pray that we will be a church that truly displays this glory of Jesus as, as a church that yearns to serve each other and continue to serve the church. And the overflow is to serve the world. And we need more servant leadership. I mean, we have amazing servant leaders, but, but we're all called to serve like Jesus and we could not plant this church apart from each one of you using your gifts and from those that God has called even right now to have that spirit of deacon in this ministry directing servant leadership role.